the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by Courageous Christianity, a public nonprofit ministry equipping Christian warriors for the spiritual battlefield. The intersection of our faith and the world is a battlefield strewn with debris of a fallen world that challenges even the hardiest souls. And yet, this intersection is the context of our faith. As courageous Christian warriors, we must navigate this difficult terrain in our personal walk and as we seek to bring Christ to those who are lost and struggling. As a colonel in the Marine Corps Reserves with numerous combat deployments, Richard Mendelo has walked dangerous ground in peacetime and in war. Join us as he and his guests shed light on this critical intersection on spiritual combat and on the rules of engagement for courageous Christianity. And here's your host, Richard Mendelo. Friends, welcome and thank you for joining us on Courageous Christianity. Today we continue in our series entitled Lines of Operation with an Explanation of Information Operations. And this discussion is critical to understanding the primary way that the enemy attacks us and how we can defend ourselves while using information operations to lean forward in our faith and to lean against him. And this is part of our series through which we hope to explain the power of our faith when brought to bear throughout our lives. So, To recap a little, it is my belief that the United States of America, the land of Washington, Lincoln, King, and Reagan, is under attack from internal, godless, progressive forces which seek to tear power from the people in order to redistribute it to a small group of godless elitists who think themselves more deserving and capable. It's a mouthful, but it's what's going on. And if you look at things in this light they'll start to make sense. This is a full-scale effort to overthrow our nation under God, and it's been in the works since the 1960s. In the United States, a bastion of freedom and prosperity for people of every creed, color, gender, and faith is failing. Though this malignancy can point to no success of their own, they attack the Christian values which built this nation. They attack these values with bankrupt, progressive policies, which are 180 degrees out from the Bible. They don't work. They'll never work. And still they persist. They are liars, and they are killing this country and the people about whom they pretend to care. And we're allowing it. So let me say this in a different way. It's the weekend. It's a sunny day. And now all of a sudden you turn to the station and you're hearing this. And so... I want to put it in a way that's not easier because it doesn't need to be easier. In point of fact, we need to be galvanized. 
But let me say it this way. Globalist elitists who have no God but themselves are strangling the golden goose of Christian American exceptionalism with godless political manipulation. Worse, we, the people, are walking willingly to the gallows. It's heartbreaking and yet true. So the question is, how do they do it? How do they get away with it? Why do we fall for it? The answer is information operations. And that's what we're talking about today with our returning guest, Mr. Sean Griffin. Sean, welcome. Hi, thank you, Richard. I appreciate you having me back on. This will be fun. Absolutely. It's always a good sign when you get asked back, right? Yeah, I appreciate it. And when they come back. And when they come back. (laughs) So, friends, you may remember Sean talked to us a lot about the Internet and Facebook and YouTube and how it all works. And so we're going to dig into that a little more. As always, I'm joined by and so grateful for my amazing wingman, Christy Stratton. Hello. Hello, everyone. Folks, before we begin, I must remind you that as a colonel still serving in the Marine Corps Reserves, I have to preface my comments by saying that these are my personal views and they do not necessarily represent the Department of Defense or the Department of the Navy. Please pray with us. Heavenly Father, the good that we can do in your name as your children, adopted by faith in your Son, Jesus Christ, must be protected and expressed in our lives. Help us, O Lord, to do this. Help us to know your truth and to stand against the devil's schemes in every area of our lives as we come to you each day in faith. Help us to build strong families, to raise and educate strong children committed to doing good in your name, to participate in politics with the crushing weight of our collective faith, to use our money as a weapon system to feed that which is righteous and to starve that which is destructive to your kingdom, and to your children, and to follow your truth while filtering the lies of the evil one. We pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Sean, what's going on? Hey there. Uh, just good things are happening. Yeah. Um, what kind of things? You still working on internet stuff? We're still involved in the Lighthouse Project and trying to bring that to the market, and it's getting even closer. Um, we, uh, we're we hoping here in, in shortly, uh, before people know it, they'll have another option that allows them free speech and, and an enhanced way to connect people in business. So we're excited about that. I've also just been working on YouTube, making videos. Uh, we, we focus on biblical content, trying to help people understand the Bible in context and make it simple for them. And then I've actually started a new project in the last six months that I've uh, it's just related to my channel specifically. It's called the Contextual Study Guide of Scripture. So I've been going through the, the whole Bible, and I'm I'm adding uh, cross-referencing and commentary, and highlighting through color coding actual context through every passage and every chapter of the Bible, so that people can understand the background context of what's being why these things are being mentioned and talked about. So that's been an exciting project we've been working on. Wow, very yeah. exciting. I'm interested in that. <laughs> it sounds big. Yeah, it does. Um, yeah, it's been a lot of work. <laughs> uh, amazing, but uh, so important because as we speak about information operations, there's what the enemy does with regard to disinformation, and the cure for disinformation is truth. And so to look at the Bible in context is the height of truth. With that said, tell me what you think of that intro 
those words, do they resonate with you? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, this is something we also discussed on our channel um, to our audience, that uh, there is there is a group of globalist elites that they're, they want to destroy this country specifically. I do feel like we are, um, amongst uh, the world civilizations, we are one of the last bastions of uh, individual free-thinking, critical-thinking peoples that um, – you know, are hardworking and have a general, genuine propensity to do what's right because we have a strong cultural tradition built upon Christian principles and scriptural principles. So they, they do not agree with those lifelong principles or the promise of the covenant to eternal life that comes with that, with our returning reigning king, Jesus of Nazareth. They don't, they don't agree with any of that, so therefore they want to stomp that out. Yeah, uh, well, one of the things that... I heard in there is the people who cry for open-mindedness, and I'm doing the little air quotes, you know, the little bunny rabbit, <laughs> the, the people who cry for open-mindedness and the people who say everybody should have a voice, those are the same people who say, as long as it's not a Christian voice. And so the hypocrisy of that is not accidental. Specifically, information operations. Let's define that um, so we don't uh, accidentally get too far into the conversation. And so, folks, information operations is a category of direct and indirect support operations within the military. By definition, they are described as the integrated employment of capabilities to influence, disrupt, corrupt, or usurp adversarial human decision-making while protecting our own. So information operations, or I.O. as we refer to it, seeks to disrupt people's ability to make decisions. And so if you've wondered why everything is so confusing and why it's hard to find the basics for a good decision, it's because they do it on purpose. And a word that we love on the show, obfuscate, uh, Christy laughs every time (laughs) I say it, means to make something obscure, unclear, or unintentional. And I want you to notice it's a verb. It's not uh, an accident. It takes effort. And anything that takes effort is only done because it gives the person or people making the effort some benefit. So the question is, what benefit do those who obfuscate derive? And Sean mentioned it briefly when he said they're globalist elitists. So, Sean, tell us more about that. Well, from my understanding, there is a, a network of uh, world leaders and rulers, uh, political dignitaries, that they do have a general sense of where they would like to see the world go in one direction. And this is actually not conspiracy. This has been publicly documented, published, and stated by their own words in public forums. Um, one of their main leaders is a gentleman named uh, Charles Charles. Klaus Schwab, excuse me, Klaus Schwab. Uh, I was thinking of the investment company, Charles Schwab. But uh, Klaus Schwab is a, a leader of the World Economic Forum, and he talks about a great deal um, from a sense of uh, collectivistic principles to restrict nations like the United States through, um, through economic means to obtain one goal that they've all agreed upon. And this uh, currently, our current president and, and, and administration seem to agree with this plan, but uh, I'll be very selective in how much I talk about that, considering your show. Yeah, brilliant. Thanks for that. My career appreciates it. 
So, um, <laughs> friends, this is an interesting thing. Uh, I try to go where the Holy Spirit leads me. And the other day I was uh, thinking about all of this, and the story of the Tower of Babel came to me. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1, God has just created man, woman, and family, and the serpent slithers up to Eve and says, did God really say not to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? And that was my best attempt at obfuscation when I'm saying, did he really say that? And so up to that, thank you, (laughs) up to that, everything was perfect. And one chapter later, we have our first murder when Cain kills Abel. So nothing good comes from this obfuscation and uh, the devil's efforts efforts. And a couple chapters after that, God uses Noah to cleanse the earth because it's such a mess. And then Genesis chapter 11 talks about how man wants to make this tower on the plains of Shinar in order to ascend heaven. And by his own schemes, they're going to assault the walls of heaven. And they build a tower and they want to do so because they want to quote, this is a quote, Genesis chapter 11, they want to make a name for themselves. And if we haven't seen enough of that, God looks at these efforts, he sees what they're doing, and he says, not going to happen. So he disperses everyone, he confuses their language, and we are now a dispersed people by the hand of God. And then in the unity of Christ, only when we accept Christ and only when we speak the language of love, do we come together. And so it's not for a bunch of globalists to put us together while usurping our decision-making ability. It is for God to put us together in the truth of Jesus Christ. And we're going to talk about that in the second segment with Sean Griffin. Come on back. Hello, everyone. This is Christy Stratton. As you may know, I'm host Richard Mendelow's wingman. You might wonder what a wingman is. Here on Courageous Christianity, it means I'm here to support the host of the show in our efforts to accomplish our mission. That mission is to equip Christian warriors for the spiritual battlefield. And we need your help to do that. Your tax-deductible support is what keeps us on the air and sustains our ongoing efforts. Courageous Christianity is a public nonprofit ministry. If you'd like to support our mission in this ministry, you can do so by texting any amount to 281-800-4940. That's 281-800-4940. And for a donation of $25 or more, we will send you a signed copy of Richard's book, Right Makes Might, 40 Days to Courageous Christianity. You will absolutely love this devotional, and it will help you to become more equipped in your walk as a courageous Christian. If texting isn't a fit for you, you can also donate by going to CourageousChristianity.today. So text to donate to 281-800-4940 or go to CourageousChristianity.today. Friends, thank you. We are so very grateful for your listenership and for your support. Friends, welcome back. Beautiful Saturday and you're minding your own business driving in the car. And now you're hearing all of this very serious stuff about information operations And in the first segment, we talked about why the enemy uses information operations, and he does so in order to disrupt people's ability to make decisions. So God gave us all free will. We're supposed to make decisions based on the truth of the Bible. And instead, the devil obfuscates, purposefully muddies and confuses the issue. So it's hard for us to make those uh, good decisions. And the question that I have is, we know the devil's a liar. 
Jesus said that when the devil speaks, he speaks his native language, which is to lie. And yet we believe him. So, Sean, I want to ask you, what are some examples of the way we believe his lies and the way he conducts information operations, and why do we fall for it? Well, some of the examples that we see, um, in, I mean, in our culture, we see the examples of what, what they call shifting the argument or framing the argument <clears throat> towards um, the, how do I say this in the right way? They, they want to frame an argument so that you end up arguing for something that's ancillary, something that's non-essential. Meanwhile, they've already, to, you know, to the left of that argument, they're already pushing through the essential argument because they've got you arguing about um, a deceived version of that argument. For example, they'll argue whether life begins at conception, right? They'll argue whether it's um, three months in or, or four months in, just as a generic example. Meanwhile, their abortion is still going on because they've gotten the general populace to believe that it's okay in a general sense. And then they just start arguing whether it's, you know, six months is, is unacceptable or three months is unacceptable. But ultimately, they've already got you deceived into believing that it's okay to take life that is alive and in the womb. And so there, and people, unfortunately, a lot of people fall for the, that argument or fall for the general lie because it either is a convenience to them, um, it's what the Bible refers to as a lust of the flesh, or they've just been spiritually deceived and have actually don't know the words of the Creator that tells them what right behavior is. Uh, we have a wonderful reminder of that in Hosea 4.6, where the Almighty tells His people in Israel that they're being destroyed by their wicked kings and their bad behavior because of their lack of knowledge. So they're uninformed, and the information they did have from the kings was, was against the information that God had given them. And so their information operations was being successfully carried out against them by corrupt kings. Oh, that's fantastic. Uh, Another one that's just such low-hanging fruit, I can hardly avoid it, is like the gun control debate where somebody does something horrible and suddenly it's about gun control. It's not about the disintegration of the family or about an individual's decision to conduct themselves badly. It's not about the fact that Cain actually killed Abel with a rock. It's not about the fact that sometimes people drive their cars into crowds of people. They completely reframe that discussion not to look at the failing policies which have destroyed American families and caused people to live in spiritual and economic poverty, but somehow or other, it's about legislating law-abiding citizens to control the behavior of criminals who, by definition, don't obey the law. And you're right, they sidestep all of that by propping up a false flag, this false argument. So that makes total sense. Um one thing I, I often think about, and Christy is very uh, good about this, whenever we have a discussion, she will say, what is real? So you'll say, what's really happening here? Because and, and really what that's getting at is problem framing, right? So, yes, uh, you're reading my mind, because as I sit here and listen to all of this, it's almost hard to believe. And so my mind is a bit like, I can't even wrap my head around it. And so I've got to kind of bring it back to what is real, what is simple. It's got to be the devil. Yeah. Uh, and you know what else? I think there, there's there got to be one other piece of it. And that is, I think people like the lie more than the truth. Hmm. Because in the truth, there's accountability. 
And so we sidestep personal accountability for the choices we make by following their false arguments. So now it's not a choice whether we're doing right or wrong with abortion. It's uh, we're not standing in the glare of the truth as we look at premarital sex and all of these other genuine social issues that have merit according to the Bible. We're going to skip that whole personal accountability and we're just going to go with their argument, which takes the 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 load off us. And by the way, that's one of their intents is to take the load off personal accountability. Well, it seems to me with the thinking about what is real, if we look back at the uh, devil whispering in Eve's ear, if we looked at that as kind of a case study and how how um, what how she reacted and what it did from there, I think it's kind of similar. Yeah, she should have said what's really happening here. Right. Uh, God said one thing and here comes this liar. Sean, did you see uh, our quote of the day? Uh, the the one by the Russian author Tolstoy? Yeah. Um, friends, I feel a little bit bad because for the last couple of shows, we've had to skip the quote of the day because we've had so much other stuff to cover. And so now, because I felt a little guilty about it, I actually offer you two quotes. Wow. Um, two for one. Yes, it's two for one. And <laughs> two the for first, one day here on Courageous Christianity. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting to me that when you talk about people who understand the the cost of lies and the cost of people being led astray, they're often Russians who endured the century of communism and the, the devastation of that and the lies of that. And so Leo Tolstoy who actually died before communism was in full swing, nonetheless said this, quote, I sit on a man's back, choking him and making him carry me, and yet assure myself and others that I'm sorry for him and wish to lighten his load by all means possible, except by getting off his back. And so when you look at the globalists and the elitists who've deemed themselves more deserving, they've turned the rest of us into useful idiots, right? Sean, you know that, uh, what do you think of that? That that we're either going to be useful idiots who believe their lies and do their bidding, or we're going to be people of Christ who stand against uh, lies. Yeah, we absolutely have to be um, men of resolve and courage that um, that can recognize the lie and therefore choose to stand against it. So many of us our, allow ourselves to be so distracted with all the things that the culture throws at us that we, we don't even recognize the lie sometimes. And that's, to me, that's like the first uh, misstep that we take on this, on this fight against the lies. Specifically, uh, specifically what is that first misstep we don't? Is that we, we're, we're so distracted by the information operations being thrown at us from the enemy, which, you know, I, I, I love the, the wording of information operations. I sometimes think of it in the terms of either propaganda or, um, in, you know, information designed to sway you, like, like your description, to sway you into a per- certain way of thinking because they don't want you to think about the truth. They don't want you to recognize the lie, so they're trying to get you to think and disrupt your, your – give you some signal interference in your clear thinking – so that they have you thinking what they want you to think about instead of recognizing the lie. Because then once you recognize it, then you have that moral decision whether you stand against it or go with it. Most people will actually stand against it, um, but not if they can get you to not even recognize the lie. Yeah. It draws my mind, too. I talked to Richard about this quite a bit. Um, the movie called Wag the Dog. Have you ever seen that, Sean? I have not. It was 
uh, filmed, aired a long time ago, um, but I saw it in uh, back in the college days, so it was a few years ago. Um, but uh, my degree was in public relations, and you learn a bit about how you craft a story and a spin and that sort of thing, and it's it's really about a presidential election that is filmed by the movies, like it's it's a film. Um, I mean, they create a story, and it. it I, I've always said, like, when you begin to wonder what's going on in this world, I just said it's like Wag the Dog. Yeah, you know, um, Wag the Dog is a good one. Uh, another brilliant one is V for Vendetta. If you want to watch a movie that mm. uh, explains this and talks about this, sure. in V for Vendetta, you see uh, the creation of a uh, an illness that requires uh, martial law and so forth. And so that's the forceful usurpation of individual decision-making. And then, of course, there's the more... Uh, like the serpent's usurpation of individual decision-making, but it does come down to stealing your God-given opportunity to make choices. And so that brings us to our second quote of the day, which is also by a Russian, Elena Gorokova. And she wrote uh, two very good books about Russia, and she said this, The rules are simple. They lie to us. We know they're lying. They know we know they're lying, but they keep lying to us, and we keep pretending to believe them. So something that I learned in SEER school, Survival, Evasion, Resistance, and Escape, which I call POW school, is that they don't come after you in the big things. They don't say, where are all the enemy forces when they're interrogating you? They say, when you sit in your cell, you have to sit cross-legged. And when you walk with other prisoners, you have to put your hand on their shoulder. And it's about obtaining little compliances. It's about obtaining these little usurpations of your decision-making such that when the big one comes, you're already in the habit of compromise. You're already in the habit of allowing people to make decisions for you. Does that make sense, Sean? Well, that is so true to what we've been witnessing in the last 18 months. Uh, there's so many different uh, levels of enforcement of compliance through different nations as they respond to the CB19 concept. And I know that, um, by the way, I'm used to abbreviating that idea because I speak on YouTube and YouTube censors anything. Anytime you say the official word for uh, uh, for what's going on in the world, they actually censor those videos. Um, mm. So anyway, I, I apologize, but it's, we're seeing not, not only what's happening in Australia, and New Zealand, but we're seeing other countries enforce very severe compliances. We see the United States divided over how they're forcing compliances, like you're talking about, whether it's masking children in school who statistically and medically have no or not at risk, um, or it's now forcing uh, certain types of documentation for you to travel freely or to go to work or to to run a normal life. And it's I totally agree with you. Yeah. So, uh, folks, stay with us. When we come back in the third segment, I'm going to tell you one of those things about the situation. The word we can't say, but we'll have more. So stay with us. (laughs) They fought for our freedom and made sacrifices most of us can't imagine. And now our veterans need your help. Hi, friends. I'm Christy Stratton, Richard Mindelow's wingman here on Courageous Christianity. You've possibly heard us talking about Freedom Alliance on the show. It's an organization near and dear to our hearts. 
Freedom Alliance is healing the wounds of war, including the devastating emotional injuries that cause veterans to reject God's love. Freedom Alliance is saving lives in military marriages. They rehabilitate wounded heroes, donate customized wheelchairs to amputees, and provide college scholarships to the sons and daughters of military heroes. I hope you'll join us in supporting our combat veterans by donating to Freedom Alliance today. I urge you to visit freedomalliance.org to learn more about their mission. We at Courageous Christianity know the team at Freedom Alliance, and we've seen them do the Lord's work. They are committed to helping ordinary Americans who've done extraordinary things. Please go to freedomalliance.org to make a contribution that will change a hero's life. Friends, for almost 18 months, Christy Stratton has been my wingman on Courageous Christianity. To our message of courageous faith, she adds her invaluable perspective as a transformational coach. She's the walking embodiment of courage and compassion, and she brings us to bear on those going through divorce in her own show, The Divorce Coaching Hour, which airs Saturdays from 1 to 2 p.m. right here on 100.7 KKHT, The Word. For those who are struggling in their marriages, she brings hope with guests who speak to the myriad counseling options available. For those who are going through divorce, she offers invaluable technical and behavioral assistance. And for those who are coming out of divorce, she delivers a unique perspective on the opportunity for growth and change. If you are, or a friend or family member is, struggling in a marriage, contemplating or going through divorce, you need a wingman. You will want to tune in each Saturday to hear from Christy and her guests. One thing is for sure, as I have learned over the last 72 shows on Courageous Christianity, you can count on Christy for truth, for a faith-based perspective, for compassion, and for insightful guidance. Tune in each Saturday. She'll be there for you as well. Don't miss the Divorce Coaching Hour with Christy Stratton every Saturday at 1 p.m. on 100.7 FM, KKHT, The Word. What a friend we have in Jesus. Friends, welcome back. You're listening to Courageous Christianity with Richard Mandelo. And we are having a very interesting conversation about information operations as one of our shows in a series about lines of operation. So campaigns to change people, as in Irregular Warfare, which is about influence and legitimacy, are fought using various lines of pressure. The enemy attacks faith and values because that's the foundation of any, everything. The enemy attacks families because that's a building block of God's kingdom. The enemy wants us to use our money to fund things that are good for the enemy and not fund things that are good for God's kingdom. The enemy uses information operations to make all of this palatable. I've always thought of it as the syringe through which the vaccination against truth is administered and the enemy has political objectives and we talked about those last week and if you've been missing the series then it's available to you on podcast at courageouschristianity.today or your favorite podcast app Um, and so we're talking with sean griffin about information operations and information operations are about stealing people's decision making ability their free choice as God gives it to us, and that's what the enemy is doing to us. 
And what we're trying to do with information operations is speak the truth of the Bible, live out the truth of the Bible, so as to present a choice also to people, a life and death choice. And Jesus said that he came to divide. So make no mistake, we also prosecute this campaign uh, to shape the world into the uh, God's kingdom. And we also have lines of operation. So we uh, focus on faith and values. We focus on strong families. We focus on bringing our collective power to political conversations. We focus on how we use our money. And all of those things are available to us too. So in regard to uh, decision-making, we had said in the last segment, why do people believe people they know are lying? And perhaps... They want to abscond personal responsibility and accountability. And perhaps we're trying to control various outcomes as we think is best, as opposed to as God would have us know is best. And perhaps we just don't know the truth. But none of this is acceptable for Christians because we are told that once you know the truth, you're responsible for it. And we will be held accountable as individuals, not in groups. So, Sean talking about information operations, what the enemy does to us and how we can lean against the enemy. How do we defend ourselves against information operations? We have to know the Creator's words for us. That's the ultimate truth that was revealed in His Son, Jesus. And Jesus, of course, in John seven sixteen says that His doctrine was not His own. All He taught and spoke was what He received from His Father, which is the Creator. So this is how we can put that sense of ultimate truth absolute, objective, moral truth inside of us so we can defend against non-truths or lies that, we, that, are, that are proposed to us. And I, I love that this is also what, you know, Paul refers to in Ephesians, washing your mind with the water of the Word. This is one of the strongest and best ways men throughout history have defended themselves against the lies of corrupt cultures and leaders. Yeah, that's brilliant. Um... Friends, I know this is a weighty topic, but I want to I want to look at the different reasons why we believe this is we said, okay, do we know the truth? And so Romans chapter 1 verses 18 through 20 says, yes we do. And it says this, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. So friends, we're without excuse. The truth of the Bible is evident in the Bible, in the Word of God, and all around us in his creation. So we can't say we don't know the truth. So Sean is saying we must know the Creator's Word. What else, Sean? You know, it's funny. Back in the first century A.D., when uh, the Messiah, Jesus of Nazareth, was walking around preaching, doing his ministry, and he, people were responding to him in great, great numbers. It was the leaders of the day that conspired against him to stop that message and take him out. And it's interesting that in the following generations, after Yeshua's life, death, and resurrection, and ascension to heaven. He 
that his disciples were going around sharing the same message that Jesus had taught them. It was the gospel of the kingdom, and they also talked about Yeshua's crucifixion leading unto his, his appointment in his priesthood. And immediately, the, the enemy sent in information operations to disrupt that message and to change that message in various, various different ways. And we see this being addressed in the epistle letters of the New Testament constantly. For a quick example, Second Thessalonians 2, we have people going around claiming the day of the Lord had already happened, that the second coming of Yeshua had already happened, and so therefore Paul's trying to address this. Like, no, it hasn't happened yet, guys. We also see in Philippians chapter 1, Paul's having to address people that are preaching Christ, not because they want truth to be propagated, but because they have their own selfish ambitions. They, have, they wanted their own self-glorification. Um, um, we, you know, That would be corrupt and false teachers doing it just for money, as opposed to trying to spread the truth genuinely. We also see there was a party of circumcision in Philippians chapter 3 that was telling people they couldn't be saved unless they had that physical act. This is the most important because I believe in Colossians 2, 4 through 8, and then also verse 20 through 23 is what we're dealing with in the modern society. It's smooth-sounding rhetoric, which is built upon philosophical approach to human traditions and demonic teachings that is presented in a very uh, sense of false humility and self-imposed restrictions. And you see this for the greater good that's being propagated with uh, international policy for different types of restrictions on uh, economic production, on resource use, and it's all built into the climate change concept where they want to, you know, induct an in international tax. And it's all built upon smooth sounding rhetoric that imposes a sense of false humility based off of information that's absolutely contrary to what the Creator has said about His creation and about how we're to interact with it. And then, of course, lastly, in First Corinthians 15, uh, Paul has to address that people are, are, were teaching that the resurrection of the saints had already happened. And he was saying, if, you know, that's, if that's the case, then we've got problems. But um, Because then what's, what's left for everyone after that? So it's, uh, it's very interesting to see immediately, within the, within the decades immediately following, this perfect example of truth that walked the earth and spoke without any equivocation and spoke boldly to the point of being martyred and, de and killed— that same message was immediately tried to be disrupted by from every angle possible, and the, the disciples were dealing with that backlash throughout their entire lives, just as we are today. And we are today, because if you think it's not happening, it is happening, and Christy has a great example of this. I hadn't had a chance to look it up, but because of the conversation, I like, went right to my phone and looking up Facebook and the change to Meta, and I'm looking at their website, and I love these, I think it totally speaks to it. A future made by all of us. And they're calling the universe now the metaverse. And I'm like, wait a second, who made the future? God. Yeah. Ugh, that's sickening I'm, to me. I'm sick. The, yeah. metaverse. the metaverse. Guess what, folks? It is so simple. God created everything. He created us. He gave us a rule book. If you bought cheap furniture in China, it would come with manufacturer's instructions. We came with manufacturer's instructions. And now people want to uh, have us believe elsewise. And it goes back to that Tower of Babel story where people want to make gods of themselves. They want to ascend the heights of heaven themselves. And so they're going to create their own language. And Sean, what I heard in what you were saying when you said smooth sounding rhetoric, what came to me was humanism, humanism, which has failed humanism, which has no rules and all of these uh, soft, uh, seemingly 
uh, kind intentions. For example, let's say a man is down on his luck. Let's say a guy uh, has a bad turn. And so rather than seeking help from the community, rather than seeking help from the church, the government swoops in to offer welfare. Now, we know there's no such thing as a free lunch. So what's really happening there? You're buying that guy's vote. You're taking advantage of the fact that he's down to turn him into an indentured servant where he will vote because he has to vote to eat because instead of making him stand up, and what does the Bible say? The Bible says, if you don't work, you don't eat. So you're exactly right. These things are 180 degrees out, but it's smooth sounding rhetoric and it seems nice right up until you consider the second and third order effects. So in the cool, sterile environment of... Uh, your living room, as you consider, does this make sense that some people have to work for money and other people sit on the sidelines and are just given money and that money that they're given comes from the people who are working? How can this be? How can it make sense? Well, what are the second order effects of that? People don't want to work because they're getting it for free. Why work? What are the third order effects of that? Since people need to work, now they feel horrible deep inside and they're bitter, and they're angry, and then you take advantage of that bitterness and that anger as you redirect the conversation, like Sean said, towards divisiveness. And so now everybody is splintered, and you step in and say, well, I have the answer. No, you don't. You're the one who started the problem in the first place. I'm sorry, God. No, 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 please. I want to hear, I was just going to say there's 30 seconds. Tell us your thoughts, because... Obviously, my temperature's up a little bit here. I'm getting excited. <laughs> well, we see an example of this, what you're saying, in Second in Samuel chapter 15 with uh, David's son Absalom. He actually incites a, um, a sense of disunity in the nation as he stood at the city gates of Jerusalem. And as people left the city, he would talk to them about, did they feel like they got justice? for whatever decision they brought before the judges. And then he assures them, well, if I was in charge, I would give, have given you justice. He does this for 20 years, and he builds and he, and he plants a seed of distrust in David's kingdom for 20 years and gets the people to, you know, to distrust their king and therefore have animosity. And, uh, and David didn't know he was doing this, and it's really sad, uh, being that it was his own son, because he was, of course, trying to take over the throne. And that's where, you know, we see that same type of... Um, concept being sowed into our culture by political factions based upon Marxist ideals, where they're trying to make it seem as if there's no justice and there's no sense of equity within our culture, and it's just blatantly a lie, and it's intended to, to, um, to destroy the nation. Well, that, that is the truth about lies. I don't know if that makes sense, but it is a lie. It can't be right. The Bible says it's not right, and guess what? It's not working. And we're going to talk about this a little more in the fourth segment as we come back with Sean Griffin. Stay with us. I'm fine. How are you? Time is a bullet. Okay. I get that we all have our day. Friends, it's Richard, the host of Courageous Christianity. In addition to donations, sponsorships also help to keep us on the air and sustain our ongoing efforts. We'd love for you to join us in this mission. If you own a Christian business or an entrepreneur, or it's on your heart to support our efforts, sponsorship opportunities are available. You'll have the chance to have your message heard during each show and much more. If you want to join us in our mission to equip Christian warriors for the spiritual battlefield and support us with your sponsorship, contact us at 281 656 
1833 or email us at courageouschristianity at gmail.com. Contact us today to apply as there are some requirements. So give us a call at 281-656-1833 or email us at courageouschristianity at gmail.com. We're grateful for your listenership and for your support. Friends, welcome back. You're listening to Courageous Christianity, and we're having a lively conversation with Sean Griffin. And I got excited in the last segment because I can't stand liars. And I don't want to even lean on my own understanding because I reference the word every day. My tendency would be to lean on my own understanding, the book of rich. And we don't want that. We want to trust in the Lord with all our hearts. And so we're talking about information operations. And as we went out, the, uh, the song that was played, uh, Chad Strader's song said, time is a bullet. And it is because time will tell. Uh, it's going to happen. And we don't control the second and third order effects. Uh, they are truth. They will happen. We make choices and those choices have consequences. And so I was thinking about the enemy through information operations is trying to usurp our decision-making capability. He muddies things, he confuses things, and it's all to get us to make choices that are favorable to him. And he is doing that because he is trying to usurp God's power. He wants to make a God of himself. He wants to be in control. But what we must not make the same mistake because Christianity is a process. We are not in the outcomes business, as you have heard me say, God controls the outcomes. We devote ourselves to the process, and the Bible explains that process to us. And so we can't be like the enemy trying to usurp God's power. We must invest ourselves fully in the process. And by the way, that's the right thing to do because we will be held individually accountable. And so I can't help but get excited about it because... Well, we get excited about it, definitely, and we should. I mean, we, we, we need... This should bother us. Yeah. But then my question would be is, I kind of know where we're going, but what do we do about it? (laughs) Yeah, Sean, tell us more about that. Tell us more about what do we do about it. Well, uh, to me, communication, like, which is what the topic here we're we're speaking of, is you're you're speaking of communication that we're talking about as information operations that disrupts clear and logical thinking, a sense of community, and, you know, the idea of how we would be. Submitting and our our thoughts and organizing our lives according to the righteous standard that the Creator has given us and exemplified through His Son, that information is being disrupted with destructive information. What do we do about it? Like I said earlier, we we definitely have to know His words. But in order to do that, you have to have a sense of communication with the people around you and community around you. That is what part of the IO operations are trying to disrupt and trying to take over are how we communicate with each other by suppression of certain types of information by by um, large corporations that are that are kind of monopolizing the space of leveraging technology for us to speak and communicate with each other and how they're how they're uh, monitoring and censoring that technology so I know there's there's uh, there are uh, many companies out there that are trying to create their own sense of technology to create social medias and uh, mass communications. There's other networks being created, helping people to build uh, businesses with each other locally and regionally. 
and connect businesses with customers. And so there's there are people that are addressing this, and they see this problem, which they consider to be a blight, uh, a plague on the people, the solidarity of the people of this nation. And they're trying to address it by putting infrastructure in place for people to be able to communicate freely. And that is where the truth can be spread freely as well. So that's uh, that's a practical thing that people are trying to um, achieve. Yeah. Uh, we talked about George Washington's 1796 farewell address in the show on uh, politics. And uh, he addresses this. Please, folks, if you haven't had a chance to read that George Washington's 1796 farewell address, uh, we also talked about, Christy said, the movie Wag the Dog to give you some insight into how it's all twisted. And we said V for Vendetta is another brilliant movie. But what I would have to say is if corporations and globalists and all of these people are manipulating the dialogue, then not only should you focus yourself in the truth of the Bible and what God says, but you must limit their ability to speak into your lives and the lives of your children. So it's offense and defense. I am going to give them less opportunity by divesting myself, for example, of Facebook or Meta or whatever the heck they're going to call themselves now in their attempt to take over the world. And it comes down to this. Either we look at the things of heaven through the distorted lens of the world, or we look at the world through the perfect lens of heaven. If things don't make sense, then they don't make sense. Look at them in a different way. And for us, that's looking at the world through the lens of the Bible. And you know, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So, Sean, uh, how would you like to speak to the listeners as we close the show? What would you like to say uh, in this final bit? I would really want to encourage them that in spite of how encroaching some of these um, in unjust and, and, uh, and dishonest uh, information that's being thrown at them in this generation um, and how it's being shaded and manipulated to disassemble what we know in our culture, what the Christian principles that our culture has been built upon. And it's also intended to disassemble the sense of family and community that most people are inherently, uh, you know, living by. I want to encourage them to jump into their words so they can know that better. That's where they're going to find their strength. That's where they're going to find the solidarity and the courage to do what's right, because they'll have purpose and clarity to follow a game plan. And then I'd also like to encourage them to continue to create community with each other so that they can have recourse in case things get bad. That's what I would suggest. Say that Probably. last. Say that last sentence again, please. I would like to, I would encourage people to to continue to develop their communities by by establishing strong communication lines with people in their community and uh so that they can have resource in case times get bad. Yeah, that makes tremendous sense because uh unity can only occur in the truth of the Bible otherwise it's pretend and we see all that pretend we see it in racism that pretends that the cure for racism is racism. And the only unity is in the truth of the Bible, and we must seek that unity. Otherwise, we are very easy to pick off because we're alone 
and they tell us what group we should think of ourselves as belonging to, and then they tell us why, if we belong to that group, we should be mad at all the other groups, and they create this uh, infighting such that they've reframed the argument and we're not looking at what we should be looking at, which is the truth of the Bible and the community that we have, the synergy that we have, the power that we have when we live in the truth of that Bible. And that's the truth. And it brings us to the moment of truth. So there's a lot of truth going on. And as you know, in every show, we have a moment of truth where we look at Scripture, which informs our discussion. And we do this so we don't end up listening to the book of Richard Mendelow, chapter 7, verse 6. We do this to remind ourselves that God's Word is our first refuge, that it's always relevant, and that it never fails. And it's the first question we should always ask is, what does Scripture say? And Luke chapter 8, verse 17 tells us this, For there is nothing hidden that will not be disclosed, and nothing concealed that will not be made known or brought out into the open. So, if you're believing something you know is not true because it's easier and because it absolves you of personal accountability, the truth is, it will be brought out into the open, and you will stand in the glare of that truth. So friends, we cannot look at faith through the lens of the world, which is ground by the schemes of men to present this distorted image and to distance us from the opportunity that we have in the truth of God and the accountability that we have in the truth of God. We cannot look at heaven through this filthy, grimy lens of ceaseless sin. Rather, we have to look at the world through the lens of faith, which is polished with God's love to present compassionate truth to all who struggle to know him. This is a choice we must make each day to look at heaven from earth or to look at earth from heaven. It begins when we wake up and look to God in prayer. It continues as we read a chapter of our Bible and ask the Holy Spirit to lead us into understanding. It is our responsibility to polish that lens each morning and then to look at everything through it, and we will be held accountable. So, Before we form feelings on which we act, and before our thoughts become words, we must look at everything with the clear vision of our faith, and we must make appropriate choices. Looking at the world through the eyes of Jesus will help us in that effort. So have faith. Trust the process. God will have his way. The question is whether we will be a part of the problem or a part of the solution. And that is courageous Christianity. Sean, thank you so much for being with us and helping us to understand the truth and the reality of our situation. Thank you for having me, Richard. I really appreciate it. You too, Christy. I'm glad to see and hear that Courageous Christianity is growing strong. Thank you, sir. Friends, thanks for joining Christy and me. We hope you'll join us each and every week here on 100.7 FM, KKHT, The Word, at kkht.com or on courageouschristianity.today or your favorite podcast app where you can listen to previous episodes by podcast. We are honored to walk with you in Christ. God bless and simplify.
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.